Good day. It is the Manfully Alive podcast. I am your host, Mike with a mic, and next to me is Deacon Nick. Today is the second, count it, one, two, second Sunday of Easter, and hallelujah, he is still risen. Yeah, hallelujah. You know, it's like our team has just won the Super Bowl, to use my reference from last week. And we need to pick up where we left off, like where we left the path initially, which was asking ourselves reflectively, where have I put Christ? What what shelf have I put him on? And even more than that, how have I brought him back in over the last week? Because that was really what the challenge is. And if I'm just doing some some honest self-reflection, I had truly taken God and in a lot of ways placed him on on the deepest recesses of the back burner of my life. And yeah, I can say thank you to God just like anybody can within the context of a given day. You know, uh, by day I'm, I, I, I work as a financial advisor and it is, it is meant on many cases where, you know, faith and, and money are, are very, very separate things. And, and sadly, that's, that's a flawed logic. I think, it, I think it shoots everything that we're trying to talk about because God calls us to be a steward of everything. And so I had put him truly on the back burner where I was making God the very last thing of the day, the very final piece that I would say prayers with my wife. And, and that's really the only place except for maybe some before meal prayers. And so what I did over the last week was I actually took, I took some time where we would normally be watching a show. And I, you know, I said, I'm, I'm going to cut it off about eight thirty nine 9 o'clock where I would normally have watched till nine thirty or 10 o'clock yeah. and said to myself, you know, I, I, I don't want him to be on that shelf. Right. I don't, I don't want people to see my faith as this dusty old thing that's in the back of the closet. Like I want it to be, I want it to be fresh. You know, I want it to be something that the evidence is there to convict me of being a a godly man. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. The evidence. Yeah. And you know, you know, at Christmas time, we're supposed supposed to have elf on a shelf, but we're not supposed to have Jesus on a shelf. I I think that's really nice that you intentionally uh, decided to, to do something active in your life. You know, I reflected on it uh, myself some as well, and, and I realized, you know, working for the church full-time, and now on top of that, also having the vocation as a deacon, you know, it's very easy to get into the routine and tell yourself, well, my my work is my prayer, and somehow uh, the service that I give to others is somehow my, my spiritual life, but, but that can be a, a real slippery slope, that can be uh, a real temptation, and, and I've done it, I've seen co-workers do it, to where... Uh, you're so busy, you have so much to do in terms of serving God's people that it's easy to say, well, that that is my prayer or that is my work for the Lord or that is the way in which I glorify the Lord. But but to have intentional time set apart for prayer, for the purpose of glorifying the Lord because of who He is, not necessarily what He has called me to do. It, I mean, what I started realizing is is that in in saying that my work is my prayer, I'm really glorifying myself and, and giving myself credit for for doing God's work when God is the one who always accomplishes all things in and through us. And so yeah. uh And it's and it's one of those things where it's especially now that you are a deacon, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be the wellspring that people come to to hear 
the voice of the Lord, right? And, and if that well runs dry because you're not making deposits in it, right? If it runs dry, you become toxic to the people instead of life-giving. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even in liturgy or, or sub-liturgy, such as, uh, you know, devotionals like uh, Stations of the Cross, you know, uh, I'm a young deacon, I'm a fairly new deacon, <clears throat> and I'm seeing that I have to, I have to work at getting beyond the logistics, getting beyond the thinking through the process of the prayer, and actually enter into the prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know that takes time. I'm learning how to do that, but but I think that's probably true of anyone who leads prayer, or especially any anybody in ministry or in clergy, um, trying to to differentiate between the logistics of the prayer. And entering into prayer itself, uh, I, I I think in one way, we are, you know, looking to God and leading God's people, but not necessarily worshiping God ourselves. And yeah. uh, that's something that that I really took to heart thinking about this challenge. And and uh, you know, it's there's countless leadership books out there that say that the greatest leaders of the church of our of our families of our of our world are also the greatest followers, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the noteworthy examples within our faith, John Paul II was known for being late to stuff because he was in prayer, right? right. And he'd be like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I have a much more important meeting that I was in. I'll, I'll, I will get there, but I will get there as soon as I'm done. Or he would stop something that was, was going on to just be in union and really make sure that the person that he was in front of was getting the whole of his attention. And I feel like right now it's very hard to focus on God because we are constantly, our attention is constantly demanded by truly a myriad of different places. I mean, if, if, if you just think I have a smartphone and those devices, I mean, if you were just to take, how many applications do I have? I probably have between 20 and 30 apps on my phone. Yeah, me too. Every single one of them shoots me a notification in the day. Oh gosh. My kids, you know, yeah. if, if my time is truly as limited as it is, my kids are shooting me notifications, right? And at all the time, as all of this is going on, God is the only one that's not stopping my day and saying, Hey, listen, I'm right here. Hey, don't, don't forget about me. Right. Yeah. The way all these notifiers of my phone apps and notifiers of, Hey, you forgot to do your seven minute workout. And Oh, <laughs> Hey, you got, you forgot to do this. Hey, you've been sitting for 15 minutes. So get up and walk 200 steps. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. yeah. It's hard to break that habit of, of not pursuing God until you start seeing the fruit of what God offers. And I think Easter is a time where those fruits are, are ripe for the picking. I think that points to the reality that Jesus is, is an absolute gentleman. You know, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't bombard us with himself. He, he makes the invitation. He sends us his son. He sends us uh, his Holy Spirit, um, but doesn't nag us, wants us to respond freely. And I think that's precisely where humanity stumbles to, to enact our free will enough to make a conscious decision for Christ. And I think that's precisely what, uh, what last week's challenge was all about. So, uh, so I'm very excited about this week and looking at this week's, uh, reading. So, uh, I think just like you were saying, just like John Paul II, we should uh, start all things with prayer. So let's do just that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Lord Jesus, you are our Savior. And, uh, and just like the disciples who were gathered together the week after Easter, wondering whether it's true, marveling at, at even the possibility of the resurrection, and, and daring to hope, just like those disciples, Lord, we are sometimes afraid, sometimes full of doubt. Um, but in your generosity, your, your boundless love, you appear to us in our fear and love us even, even in our doubts. Lord, you grant to us an immense amount of your peace and you meet us exactly where we are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love, for meeting us exactly where we are. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm, that's good. So I loved, I loved your prayer because it ties directly into our, into our gospel reading. Do you mind if I, I well, take I it? I tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I, uh, I noticed. And I you did. did wonderful. Well, thank you. <laughs> So our gospel for this Sunday was a, a gospel according to John. Um, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. And see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love it. Yeah, I love this Gospel for, for so many reasons, and, and I had a hard time kind of pinning down uh, what to, to reflect on. I, I often get sucked into, or, or I should say am attracted to the lines, uh, that talk about whose sins are forgiven, you're for, uh, are forgiven them, and whose sins you re retain are retained. It bears noting that this is the 
this is the birthplace of the sacrament of confession. Absolutely. Right? This is where reconciliation comes from. That exact, that, that exact phrase of receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained, giving the installation of the very first priests of the world who could actually have the power that Christ has to forgive sins, right? Absolutely. And that this is also, you know, where where it also insinuates that people need to be seeking forgiveness of sins from those who can forgive those sins. That's right. That's right. And, you know, just, <clears throat> just preceding that, Christ says to them twice, you know, peace be with you. And then he gives them this authority, you know, you, you actually, we gain peace in and through the sacrament of reconciliation. And so he's, he's saying, peace be with you. He's giving them the Holy Spirit of peace mm-hmm. and then allowing them to give peace to others through the forgiveness of their sins. It's, it's a wonderfully laid out uh, paragraph within, within the gospel. But then, you know, as I read on, he ends up saying, peace be with you again whenever he's talking to Thomas. And, and Thomas, of course, was, was not there. And he gets a bum rap. He's always called Doubting Thomas. But, yeah. but these lines of Jesus uh, to him, there, there's a couple things to point out here. And this is where my, my attention really focused. Uh, sort of two opposite points, you might say. It says, have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. You know, Jesus is sort of chiding him a little bit. You know, wouldn't it have been better if Thomas would have believed without needing to put his hands in the sides of Jesus? And aren't we precisely in that situation? How many of us have the opportunity to actually put our hands in the side of Jesus? Well, none of us. We are required to have faith uh, and, and to, to live out our faith uh, without necessarily seeing this is, this is the glory of our God. Thomas says, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And what? Here comes Jesus. He's like, hey, you told me you needed this because all I want you to do is believe. Precisely. Right? Yes, 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 yes. Christ comes straight to him. It's not like, peace be with you. Hey, guys, catch me up on all this stuff going on, you know? <laughs> Right. Christ comes to him and he says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and put it in my, bring your hand and put it into my side so that you may not be unbelieving, but believe like Christ sees his value as a believer. And he answers what at, at the time was a complaint, right? Right. This it- wasn't lodged as like a, 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 a kind appeal. He's like, guys, <laughs> unless I see this, mm-mm. yeah, this, no way. This isn't working, right. right? Whatever you're, whatever you guys are smoking, I don't, I don't have any of that, right? <laughs> and I'm just not, yeah. You, you, you guys had this little drum session, and I wasn't a part of it, right? Yeah. But Christ shows up, boom, one week later, and says, "Peace be with you." And I think that's also a piece worth mentioning is that Christ, every time he comes into their midst, he wants them to feel at peace. He wants them to feel at peace and he, and he wants to provide them the things that they need. I mean, this is exactly what I was alluding to in my opening prayer when I said, Jesus meets us where we are. Okay, Thomas, you have doubts. Come here, give me your fingers, put them, put them here in my side and do not be unbelieving. 
Um, Christ does this for us too. You know, I, I have often experienced moments in my life when due to either uh, my doubt or even my hint of a doubt, God, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, he puts somebody in my life that challenges me, that teaches me, that forms me. Yeah. Um, and even even when I wasn't necessarily open to it, you know, he, he does it in such a way to where, you know, if, I, if I'll just relax a little bit, if I'll just let that other person be who God intended them to be in my life, I do end up learning. I do yeah. end up being uh, better off for it. And, and, well, and, and I see that God has met me where, where I needed him. You know, it's it's... I, I just think about, especially since you talked on this topic of doubt, you know, doubting my worth, doubting my worth in, in the presence of God, right? Doubting that my role is valuable or that my, my purpose, right, as a, as a husband, as a father, as an employee has value, right? That, that I'm just this. I'm just a dad, you know? Yeah. But when I come through the door, those yeah. kids, man, they they will trip over each other to come see me. And let me just tell you, there is no other place in the whole of my life where people will trip over themselves to see me. Yeah. And I have looked. <laughs> Your status of daddy means something. It, 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 it holds an immense value with them that I tend to overlook. And I forget until that moment comes where they hear the garage door open and I step in and I hear, daddy, you know, <laughs> daddy. and, and there is like a, a circus of chaos that is headed towards me just to hug me. And most of the time they have food on them and I'm wearing a suit <laughs> and my dry cleaning bills are not cheap, but it's beautiful. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. That's a, that's a bill I will pay a thousand times <laughs> over, you know? I think how we deal with doubt, how we deal with fear is, is very important uh, to trust in the Lord um, but also to, to make real effort in society to help each other grow in peace. You're right. I mean, this, uh, the shootings and, and the, the terrible tragedies and crises that our country, uh, experiences, it seems every other week, um, yeah. we have to work together as a nation and, and, you know, I'll never forget, I, I, I do forget who told me this, but I'll never forget hearing that, you know, compromise means that nobody gets everything that they want. Not our full plan, not assuming we're all right, but but assuming that even if the entirety of the plan isn't perfect, they're calling out for what they need. Mm -hmm. Some people need a defense of the Second Amendment, amendment, and some people need to feel safe with fewer guns on the streets. And I think there's a way to do both. On, a, on the simplest level, I think humans want to protect other humans. I think we care about each other, but we never know how to communicate it in an effective way yeah. because we look at ourselves as an island as opposed to uh, an, an undivisible part of the overall human body. Absolutely. You know, I've got a good friend of mine. <clears throat> His name is Josh, and I know he got this quote from someone else, but I'm not exactly sure where. But he says, you know, I, I do not love the sword for its sharpness. I do not love the arrow for its swiftness, but I love that which it protects. And I do understand a need to protect freedoms, mm -hmm. but equally so we have to protect lives. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, I mean, historically, weapons have been used to save lives. Mm -hmm. you, you wage a war in order to save 
the innocent who yeah. who were, you know, uh, suffering some atrocity <laughs> before me. the war began. So, yeah, the, these issues are, are very large, and and the issue of peace uh, is not an easy one. I, I well, I, and 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 I think that's that's something that's up for debate. Is like, what is peace? And some people would say peace is me being able to pursue whatever lifestyle I want, whatever thing that I want. And and I think Christ really, he, he speaks to that directly. He's saying, you know, it's not my will that you, for you to have life, but to have life and have it in abundance, right? Because you yes. don't want to merely live, right? And I think that that gets back to the core of what our, our podcast is about, right? The, the The foundation on what we're trying to build, which is manfully alive. The glory of God is manfully alive then we have to bring this thing full circle and say, why would I want to be fully alive? Why? Yeah. Well, it's, it's because a man fully alive is a joyful man. It is the most attractive version of yourself. That By definition, your best yes. friends, your best friends are the ones who get to see this version of you. The people that you are most yourself with. So, yeah, that's a great point because, you know, I don't know any man who reaches his mid thirties, mid forties, somewhere in that mid, in those mid years who says, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm just so sick and tired of living to work. I'm sick of living to work. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather work in order to live. I'd rather become more fully who I'm supposed to be because really what are we meant to be? We're supposed to be, um, we're supposed to be alive in order to love in order to spread the gospel, in order to share love, in order to experience peace, that's man fully alive. Mm-hmm. Um, going in and punching the clock every day and doing our job is a means to an end. But that end is supposed to be the joy of God in us mm-hmm. that we share with our friends and our family. And I think oftentimes we lose sight of that end because it seems like the tunnel that we're working in goes on forever, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love, uh, I think it's Ecclesiastes... Chapter three, like verse nine through 12, it says, what, what advantage has the worker from his toil? Hmm. Right. What advantage has the worker from his toil? And it goes on to basically say that it is a gift of God to celebrate the fruits of your labors. Right. It is a gift of God to celebrate the fruits of your labors. Wow. And the translation on that is it's varied based on, you know, which translation of the Bible you're using, but Think about that. Like Christ is saying, I want you to toil. I want you to work. I want this for you. Yeah. I want you. I want the sweat of your brow to unite you with the human condition. Like this work is for your salvation. But I want you to enjoy the fruits of this labor at the exact same time. Yeah. And in our work, we should find meaning and purpose, which is why people should be discerning in what kind of work that they do. Um, but yeah, the, the, the work is, uh, is able to, you know, it, it focuses us, it, it, it patterns who we are, it forms who we are, it can make us grow in things like discipline, uh, organization, all those kinds of things. But in the end, our work is supposed to uh, serve an end, yeah. and, and that is for us to live full lives, full yeah. lives, of which our work is a part. I have a, I have a colleague that I work with that uh, often says... Michael, I, I work in a box. And then once I'm done with that box, I put that box back on the shelf in my brain and I close that box and I open another box, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, if you, if you exist in that utilitarian approach to, 
to everything, right? Now I'm in my dad box. Now I'm in my right. father box, right? Now I'm in my, my husband box. I guess dad, father, that'd be the... Sure. You know, no, I get now you. I'm in my deacon box, right? Now I'm in my praise box. Now I'm in my God box, whatever. Uh, now I'm in my Thanksgiving box, whatever it is. Yeah. That can lead to this dualism of persons that can really split you at your core. And, and a loss of purpose in the long run. Because unless our life is synthesized as, as having a single uh, direction and purpose, mm-hmm. um, then we forget, why am I working? Yeah. Or, or, or we forget, oh gosh, I'm, I'm working this kind of job and, it, and it's not fulfilling or it doesn't fulfill God's will for me in my life. Or, yeah. you know, we always have to be aware of the way in which our entire life is lived for Christ, yeah. um, for the purposes that he's ordained for us, if you will, in terms of his will in our life. I love the way you're saying that, ordained. He has ordained a purpose in our life. Absolutely. Isn't Absolutely. it? Isn't it amazing how, how often we can belittle that, like God's role? He's like, I made you. I made you specifically how you are. Yeah. Right? For a purpose. I didn't make you this way so that you could say, well, why, God, did you make me this way without having an answer to that question eventually of Michael, Nick, I made you able to talk about many different topics freely so that you could eventually maybe start a podcast and maybe talk about me and bring people to know me and that I was fully human, not just divine. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. And, and that you, you guys are relying on that fully human part more than others sometimes. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just like the scriptures say, you know, it talks about Jesus. There are many things written, uh, many things not written in this book that, that, that illustrate the life of Christ. Uh, and I, I, I focused on that while I was reading the gospel. And I thought to myself, "Gosh, what are we going to focus on today? Because there's so many things I want to talk about that we're just not going to get to in this podcast." Yeah. Um, but I think that's that speaks to the depth of Scripture. Next year, you know, we'll roll around again, uh, Easter again, and and then the first readings for the first week of Easter will come up again, and it'll be totally new. Yeah. It'll be a whole new experience, a whole yeah. new reflection, and so uh, and its relevance will. It'll, it'll be just as present as it is right now. Every time, every yeah. time, absolutely. It's it's not a it's not a hard thing to unite. So, if I could kind of talk just for very very briefly about this gospel one more time. Yeah. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews. Yeah. The 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 guys who were in this room were afraid. I mean, it says, for fear of the Jews, right? And and probably for good reason. Yeah, because they were worried about being crucified, being called a heretic, being called someone that had strayed from the faith, being stoned to death. All those wonderful forms of corporal punishment that we are not going to discuss today. But the founders, the people that who built our church and who shared the message of the gospel that we are living in the fruits of today. We're afraid. Nicholas, I know you know fear. I know you have life circumstances that have been thrown your way that have made you feel fear. And at some point we are going to get into those, right? Yeah. And at some point I'm going to share some of the places where I am truly afraid as a man. But the point is, is they started at this place of fear 
And Christ came into their midst and he said, peace be with you. Right? Despite the circumstances they found themselves in. Yeah. I mean, they did have a legitimate reason of fear. Yeah. And Christ said, don't. Yeah. Because I'm here. Because I'm with you. Yeah. It's it's like he knew the end of the story before the story was written. <laughs> Thanks be to God. That's right. <laughs> so coming from a place of fear, we always start these things and I'm always nervous, right? I'm a I'm a I'm a human being just like everyone out there and I'm afraid sometimes that my contribution won't be great enough. I'm afraid that my two cents, right? My two coins aren't enough of a contribution. Just like that poor lady who said, this is all that I have. These are my two coins. Yeah. And Christ is saying, that's all I ever asked for, right? Yeah. That's all I ever asked for. So, well, that's just it. I mean, like you said earlier, he, he made us, intended us to be like this, who we are, yeah. right? And, and what we have is what he expects from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have to give what we have fully. Yeah. Yes. And it's always yes. enough. Yes. And, and that's, and that's the challenge I think I want to give to you guys as we go out into this next week is I know anyone who is a Christian in the world that we live in starts from a place of fear, but I want you to look at the places where you're afraid in our faith. And I also want you to look at the places where you doubt the teach the teachings of our faith, because here's the thing. Doubt is a place where you need to investigate further. This is an impetus. You said it best earlier when we were talking about this, Nick. Doubt is an impetus. It is, it is a driving force that can seek out clarity for you in your own life. Absolutely. And we have to make it that because the alternative is to allow it to be despair. Yeah. I mean, doubt can paralyze you, but it has to be the opposite. It has to be... Uh, the reason why we go forth and seek answers. Fear is just a, our body's reaction to the unknown. And we are human and we don't know everything. So just to wrap up, we, we covered a lot, but all of us as humans are both fearful and doubtful of the things that God is challenging us to. And so we have to ask ourselves very, very clearly, where do I doubt where am I afraid? And how can I seek out understanding in those places of doubt so that I can let go of this fear that was needless in the first place? In my life's experience, those times when I didn't know the answer, when I wasn't clear on which path to take, um, when I wasn't even clear, clear whether or not I thought that the church's teaching on a particular issue was fully developed or good enough or whatever. Um, I, I had the great fortune to be able to continue my education in the faith, uh, first in college, then in seminary, and then later in my diaconate formation. Um, and I know not everybody has that opportunity, but I will say that through that, when I was patient enough, when I would just shelve the issue for a little while in order to be patient enough to allow the answer to come forth, I had instructors, I had spiritual directors, I had friends, um, heck I had the catechism, you know, yeah. these kinds of and, things. And, and frankly, with the internet, the resources are out there to help you get the clarity that you are, you are striving for. And once you, once you receive that clarity, that understanding, because remember, understanding is a fruit of the spirit, right? Absolutely. 
And once you gain that level of understanding, peace be with you. And it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Again, for Man Fully Alive Podcast, my name is Mike with a mic. And I'm Deacon Nick. Thanks for tuning in.